Quantum physics research being conducted by the National Institute of Standards and Technology could one day help create better secure computer security systems. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be joined by NIST computer scientist Ikai Liu, who has devised a way to make a security device that has proved notoriously difficult to build, a one-shot memory unit whose contents can be read only a single time. Welcome, Ikai. Hi, it's great to be chatting with you. I want to discuss the one-shot memory unit in a moment, but before we get to that, please take a few moments to explain how quantum physics, in theory, could provide better information security protection than what classical physics offer. Sure. Quantum physics actually has, has a number of different consequences for information security. So my current work is mainly focusing on one aspect, which is physical security. So the security of hardware such as computer memories or data links using optical fibers. So one security property that you may want is tamper resistance. So for instance, you may want the hardware to somehow to somehow resist eavesdropping. For instance, if someone tries to tap the optical fiber, or you can want it to resist unauthorized access. For instance, if someone steals your laptop or cell phone. This kind of physical security ultimately comes down to properties of, of the physical device. And it turns out that quantum mechanics has interesting consequences here because there are fundamental limitations on copying an unknown quantum state. So sometimes this is called the no cloning theorem, that unlike classical information, quantum information cannot be copied perfectly. This is an example of a law of nature which can have consequences for information security, and we'd actually like to build tamper-resistant devices based on this principle. Maybe a good way to think of it is that this is an attempt to build tamper-resistant hardware based on a physical principle, not just on clever design. So Actually, it's a very interesting question to ask whether you can do this. On a practical angle, it's also interesting because these are the kinds of techniques that could be used to protect high-value data. So, for instance, administrator passwords for critical systems. So these are situations where you might actually want the kind of security that you can get from a quantum-based device. What you would be protecting would be the hardware that would store the password, not the software. That's right. That We actually want to build some of these security functions into the hardware. In many of these systems, it would be a single component of the server, like a tamper-proof chip. You can find components like these today in, say, equipment like the Xbox or in some kinds of digital e-book readers. Your research devised a way to make a security device that has proved notoriously hard to construct, a one-shot memory unit. What is a one-shot memory unit and how does it work? A one-shot memory unit is a device that allows one person to share information with another person, but in a controlled way. Explicitly, the way it works is the following, that you can imagine two people, Alice and Bob. Alice takes the one-shot memory and programs it with two secret messages that she has. And then she gives it to Bob, and Bob can choose to read either one message or the other. And the key fact is that Bob cannot read both of the messages. He can only read the device once, and he only gets one of the messages. You can use it to implement something like a cashier's check to transfer money, where the bank could program the one-shot memory with two authorization codes, and one of them will pay the money to the recipient of the check, and the other code will return the money to the sender of the check. So this is a case where having the one-shot memory allows a person to do one of these two actions, but it's important that they shouldn't be able to do both. What is the logic behind having two options? The logic is that there are naturally two different functionalities that it should have. It should either do the transaction or it should be able to roll it back. So the person who bears this one-shot memory should be able to have some choice in what they want it to do. It should be restricted by some rules of the game. We're talking about hardware. We're talking about maybe a chip in this case. Is that, is that correct? That's right. But the instructions are traditionally software. Where would the software be stored? Or am I not thinking of this in a quantum way? 
So this would be used in, in a situation where say you're transferring the money from one from one bank to another where they don't have a direct connection between their networks that you needed to go through a device such as this. I guess on both sides of the transfer, there will also be software that can first write these authorization codes and then read them. But there's not actually a direct connection that allows them to do the whole thing electronically. That's why it would go through this kind of secure hardware. If one day this theory becomes practical, how would it work to provide IT security? To explain this, maybe I should go over what are quantum bits, what are qubits, and what is a quantum computer. You should think a little bit about what a classical computer is. So it's software and an operating system and hardware. And when you go all the way down to the, to the most basic level, it's all electric circuits. It has bits that can store zeros and ones and it has logic gates that can compute logical functions like AND, OR, and NOT. And it also has some other things. It has random numbers. There's often a random number generator. It can behave in a probabilistic way. This is what a classical computer is at the most basic level. Quantum computer can do everything a classical computer does, but it can also do more than that. So quantum mechanics allows systems to be in superpositions of different states. And so a quantum bit or a qubit can be in a superposition of zero and one. Simultaneously. Simultaneously, yeah. And so, so these superposition states, they're inherently a quantum phenomenon in that they can do things that are simply not possible using classical probability theory. So, this, so there's, in fact, a precise mathematical description of what this means. You can have these superposition states, and there are quantum gates and quantum measurements that operate on them. And this is a natural, physically motivated model of a computer, which is quite a bit more powerful than what you can get from classical physics. And in particular, there's a phenomenon called entanglement, where two different qubits can be correlated with one another in a way that's stronger than is possible in classical physics. And intuitively, this is where a lot of the power of quantum computation comes from. So now what I've been working on is using qubits to build the one-shot memories I described earlier. There's a natural technique for this called conjugate coding. And in conjugate coding, the basic idea is to encode two messages into the same string of qubits. And you can do this in such a way that, given these qubits, you can do different kinds of measurements on them. And depending on what measurement you do, you either get back the first message or the second one, and you can choose which one you want. So this sounds sort of like a, a one-shot memory, but there's a catch. It turns out that if you have the ability to use entanglement when you do your measurements, you can get back both messages at once, and therefore the conjugate coding scheme is not secure. So analogously with the one-shot memories, this would be like being able to extract all of the information from the memory, whereas you should only be able to get part of it. It would be like violating the access controls on the memory. And so this seems to be a problem. So my work has been about trying to make the scheme work actually getting it to work by making one more clever observation. So remember that entanglement plays an important role in the security of the scheme. And it appears that using entanglement, someone can break the security of the scheme, but perhaps with, if they didn't have the ability to use entanglement, it would still be secure. And so my work has been focused on the idea of using physical systems where it is difficult to create entanglement. These systems, one can actually show that conjugate coding is secure. So more precisely, what I've done is to propose a theoretical model of physical systems where entanglement is not easy to create, and this model is called the isolated qubits model. And then I'm able to actually prove that conjugate coding is secure in this setting. This sort of lays a theoretical groundwork for constructing one-shot memories using qubits, provided that you choose the right physical system. There's a natural candidate for these physical systems called nitrogen vacancy centers, and these are a kind of solid-state qubit which has been implemented in the lab. And if engineered properly, these kinds of qubits actually have the properties that we need to build one-shot memories.
How far away are we from seeing such a device as you described coming to reality, and what are the challenges that need to be overcome to reach that state? There are some pretty serious challenges with this approach. One of them is that all of these quantum technologies are quite sophisticated, so making them work is not easy. Already, many of the things that people are doing in the lab today would have been, say, miraculous 30 years ago. This is pushing the boundaries of what we know how to do from a technological perspective. The second challenge is to take these things we can do in the lab and actually apply them to solve real-world problems in a way that's cost-effective. Many things that we can do right now are still probably a bit too expensive for many commercial applications, so this is also a challenge. If you look at where we stand today, there are really a variety of of different quantum-based technologies that are relevant to information security. Some of them are actually commercially available today. For instance, quantum key distribution exists as a commercial product. You can buy it. It's not even terribly expensive. And some of those products are becoming quite mature. In particular, there's a push to standardize technologies for quantum key distribution so it will be easier for companies to buy them and easier for people to integrate them into their existing, into their existing setup. The idea of existing technologies and how much would have to be changed, is this something that would be incorporated into existing computers, or is this something that it would have to have a whole new type of computer built? Most of the current products are designed to be incorporated into an existing network, so it would replace, say, an existing data link with this quantum-secure data link. Physically, the product actually just looks like another server box that you put into a rack and you, it just sits there along with your other hardware. So it plugs directly into your existing network. It knows how to talk over IP, and it fits right in with what you have already. Eventually, you would think a a product that could come out of the research you're conducting could be in a format to what you just described. Yeah, I I would hope for that. For the stuff that I'm doing, these one-shot memories, I think we're still a little ways out from making it commercially practical. The technology itself could be available in five to ten years, and we would hope that maybe it would take the form of a chip or maybe a small hardware device like the size of a hard drive. But we still have to do some more thinking about exactly what niche it would hope to fill in computer security. You know, it would probably be used to protect some kind of high-value information, maybe administrator passwords for some critical system. We would hope to find some application where the value of the information is sufficient that it would both motivate the need for a quantum-based technology and justify some of the additional expense with deploying such a technology. There are some big challenges with, with building quantum devices and building quantum computers. You know, but if you look at the big challenges, then they break down into lots of little challenges. Little challenges have actually been getting knocked away one by one over the years. Kind of the long-term vision for this field is really to build quantum computers. That's still some ways away, but there's progress on that front also. I guess it's dangerous to speculate about this, but I think there's a good chance that we might see some kind of interesting quantum computer appearing in the next five to ten years. And it's not exactly clear how much it will be able to do, but it should be able to do things that at least go well beyond what we can imagine today. There's a lot of good work happening in this field, and it's starting to produce real results. Thanks, Ikai. I've been speaking with this computer scientist, Ikai Liao, about how quantum physics can one day help improve information security. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.